The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Father, we thank you. Send your word to us again tonight. Lord, I pray that you will speak to everyone gathered here, whether live or watching online. Let us hear a word in season for our lives, a word that will change us, a word that will move us, a word that will wake us up and fire us up so that we can come into the things you have in store for us. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. I don't know about you, one constant expectation, desire, in my own walk with God, something I'm always looking forward to that drives me and motivates me is what God is able to do. What God is able to do. And I'm always grateful and thankful when I see God do something personally or in the church. I mean, I was thinking about just this last Sunday. We had such um, an amazing time in church last Sunday, the 8 a.m. service and the new service at 1030, they knew in particular, they had a lot of guests. And I was just thinking to myself, when I started pastoring, and comparing where I was then, or where we were then as a church to now, that, wow, look at what God is doing. Look at what God has done. Look how far God has brought us. Praise God. And I, and I do that, recognizing what God is able to do, and what God has done, and I now project, wow, because I know the God that has brought us this far can still take us 10 times better than where we are today. 100 times better than where we are today. I did a rough math. The numbers I was pastoring when I started and now is about 15 times the number that came to church. God has just multiplied things. And he can do it a thousand. In fact, he said I can do it a thousand times more. I had a meeting with some of the pastors and leaders. And I told them, we are not going to Paco. And this is why I don't. I mean, I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm fired up. <laughs> Praise God. And what I'm sensing in my spirit that God is about to unleash upon us as a church and as individuals that are ready to cooperate with him, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It has not entered the hearts of men what God has in store. It's a major, major um, point in my own work with God. There's nothing he cannot do. Like that song we sing, there's no life you cannot save. There is no situation too terrible that God will say, ah, no, except you are the devil, and you are not the devil. Praise God. Nothing he cannot do. There's no height he cannot lift you to. So I am always, and I just look back over my own journey with God, and I'm so grateful to God for that, just wanting just the next level, the next thing. And thank God, I'm not those kind of people that get depressed. Even though that thing hasn't come here, God has helped me with that. I can be so, I'm so full of gratitude for where we are. Talking about church now. That even if God doesn't do anything, I'm so grateful. And my heart is full of joy. But at the same time, I mean, I'm reaching for more. Pressing for more. That, in a way, summarizes what we have been talking about since Easter Sunday. We are halfway in the journey now. There's so much Christ has obtained for you and I that we are not enjoying. That you are not enjoying, you and I. 
no matter how much you are enjoying today or how little, there is much more that you can start enjoying. You, you can start enjoying it by just taking heed to what God has written in the book and applying it to yourself. Your present day predicament, your current situation, knowing fully well that everything that Jesus died for and obtained on the cross, that is written. Look at just some of the things we read in Isaiah 58. If Isaiah 58 should happen literally in your life, man, your life would be on another level. If one-tenth, one-hundredth of what God said in that chapter, that chapter alone, no? So when the opportunity comes to fast and pray, I seize it to the best of my ability. I'm not saying I'm perfect. Though. But even my imperfection, I have learned to use it as a reason to even do the fasting and praying itself. So my imperfection, I don't allow it to be a stumbling block for me. That I did not pray yesterday or I did not fast yesterday will never be a reason for me not to fast today. In fact, it's the reason why I'm going to pray and fast today. God taught me that a long time ago. Is the reason. Knowing fully well that these are the things that position me. These are not things I am going to do. These are things that God is going to do for me. That God has done for me that I can start enjoying. Man, and I've enjoyed a number of good things. Praise God. That's what we are teaching you. Both on Sunday and on Wednesday, I'm running two series. Sunday and Wednesday, you can enjoy the wealth and the riches that Jesus obtained for you to the point where you are satisfied. Satisfied. Praise God. And this thing we are teaching, allowing the fire of God into your life will help you to enjoy that. Being a believer that is on fire, and I'm talking the fire of God, and we've said many things about what the fire of God is, how you can know if it is there and if it's not there. I won't have the time to go into that tonight. I want to quickly continue from where we left off last week. We said talking about the fireplaces or the fire points, where you know the fire of God is not there or not there as it ought, and that pretty much covers everybody. So that the fire is not there at all, you need to rekindle it. And if the fire is there, but it's not blazing as it ought, which is probably the rest of us, you also need to rekindle it. And even if it's blazing as it ought, you are at the place fire-wise where God wants you to be. You are right in the center, center, center of the will of God for your life, where fire of God is concerned, you need to remain in that fireplace so that that fire will not go down. Are you getting what I'm saying? So this applies to everybody. Both the believer that is cold and the one that is hot and the one that is lukewarm. There is no Christian walking on the face of this earth that does not need the fire of God in their life. Some people just don't know they need it so they don't go after it. Or some people are just not interested. Maybe what to do is just too much of a hassle for them. And you should never be like that. The journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Take one step at least. 
And this is the beautiful thing about God. When you take that first step, God will show you how you can take the next step. For example, let me break some news to you. You know, um, we started doing a lot towards outreach. And the main step we took was everybody just start inviting, just start inviting. It took some time over the last few days to spend some time with God. God said, you guys have mastered that now. That that one is now more or less flowing in the church very well. Can you imagine the number of people we have invited to church from January to April is as much as all the people we invited in 2017. So that's a good milestone for me. We are getting there. We are not where we want to be yet, but we are, we are making progress. God said, we are moving to the next level now. Beyond inviting, we are start organizing some serials. We are out and get them born again live, live, live on this real out another level. That one is there. Just take it to another level. Take it to another level. Hey, time we come, we start doing crusade every other month in this church. Can I hear a loud amen? Yes. See, there are many things you can do. It's not just inviting people to church. You can invite them, it can be doing crusade. Crusade. There are almost 8 billion people, if not more, on the face of the earth today. We will be busy till Jesus comes. That's what I was telling the pastors on Sunday. Some of them were looking as if they didn't enjoy it, but I knew I was telling them the truth, so I felt good with myself. We will be busy till Jesus. We are not going to get less busy. Please, somebody should understand that. In this work with God, you will never come to a place where you can now relax. For where? As you hit a milestone, hey, I am now a multimillionaire. You will, at that point, you will be giving more than you were giving when you were a thousandaire. There will be more projects to give to. Praise God. Your church is now 1,000. Before you were there, you will be doing more work. And it's good. Can I hear loud amen? It's good. And then you can see the next horizon. You can see the next big thing. Praise God. You can see the next level. Things you could not dream of. Five years ago, ten years ago. You are now living in them now. This is why I enjoy this. I mean, I, I, I just enjoy being a Christian. And I'm telling myself, wow, that means in five or ten years, particularly if I continue on this road and I'm learning new things, I will be living in things I can't even imagine today. Anybody interested? Glory be to God. This fire of God thing will help us. Will help us. So we said, if you need more fire, if you need to rekindle the fire or activate the fire or acquire the fire, go to the fireplace or the fire point and stay there. Plug yourself in there until the fire rubs off on you. Take cold coal. Go to a fireplace and you see live coals there. Drop that cold coal among the live coal. After a while, what will happen to that cold coal? It will start burning. It will start burning. So what we are learning is, what should I do when I need fire? Number one, prayer. Number two, the word of God. The third one is the main thing I want to teach now. Offerings and sacrifices. And again, why are we teaching different ways? Because sometimes prayer will not get you the answer you are looking for. And please hear me, because this may be the answer to some of you. You have prayed and prayed and prayed. But when you come to that place where you know you have prayed, God knows you have prayed, the devil knows you have prayed, all the demons knows you have prayed, all the angels knows you have prayed, Buhari too knows you have prayed, then you should know by now. Not that you should stop praying, no. You need to add something to this prayer. 
Some of you, it's not just the word. It's not just confessing the word, believing the word, reading the word. You too know that you are in the word. Now, the guy that is not in the word, get into the word. Can I hear a loud amen? amen? And the guy that is not praying, get into prayer. But it's interesting that the Bible will give us different routes to the same objective. All these things will bring fire in our lives. So. And many times you have to combine them. So never tell yourself, ah, my own is only prayer. No. That may be the reason why your life is the way it is. Because there are some things only prayer will not resolve. Never tell yourself, my own is only the word. I'm a man of the word. No. In fact, that's one of the reasons why God gave Reverend K the vision of King's word. People of the word and the spirit. Because we have learned as powerful as the word of God is, it's not enough in certain instances. We don't throw away the word. But you realize sometimes you have to add. Praise God. So please, to your prayer life, in acquiring the fire, if you already have one, add a word life. And to your word and prayer life, if you already have, add this one. Learn to use it, add it. I, I know we all give offerings, so, so that's not what I'm talking about. Please, follow the teaching very, very well. Praise God. It's good to know what the thing you are doing does. So we, we read last week, with, and I, want, I started with a New Testament scripture, Cornelius. The angel told him, Acts 10, 4, your prayer and your giving, your arms giving, has come up. And God answered by fire. Now, you won't see that God answered by fire there, but God sent an angel. That was God responding to somebody's prayer and giving. We want to focus on the giving part, arms. And that's what we are saying. The fire of God, like we said in one of our earlier teachings, that's how God showed up. May God show up in your life. That area that you're having challenges, may God show up for you in Jesus' name. In your family, in your career, in your ministry, may God show up for you in Jesus' name. And we are telling you that God shows up by fire. And that's worthy of note. God shows up by fire. God responds by fire. And that's the lesson. And what we are saying is we see all over scriptures that people gave offerings and God responded by fire. That should strike a chord in us for two reasons. Let me tell you why, why God, God made it clear after me why you should seek this thing. Number one, many of us give and nothing is happening still. Don't move too much. The one I'm talking about you. That should give you concern. Just like if you pray and it looks like nothing is happening, you should be concerned. If you declare the word, confess the word, proclaim the word, preach the word, and nothing is happening, you should be concerned. It simply means most likely you are doing something wrong. That may not be the case 100% of the time, but it may be. So you examine yourself. If you give offerings and you give sacrifices, you tithe. We talked about giving benevolence now. This... Um, Oh, in fact, throughout last month, that's the seed, additional seed we encourage you to show. As we are fasting, give off. That's what tithing is all about. And you are doing that, and the response, no angel is coming to visit you. No fire is falling from the sky. Nothing is changing about your life. You should be alarmed, concerned. Maybe you just need to tweak something that will make your life different. Are you with me? So it's for people that are giving and bless God, people that are not giving. Maybe you are here and you have convinced yourself that ah, you don't have to be giving. Sir, you have to. 
Ah, pastor, I'm the brokest guy in the room. That is the more reason why you should be giving. The brokest guy should be the one doing this thing more. Not the richest guy. Can I hear a loud amen? I know for some of us, it takes us a while to get that truth. But let me say it again. The person that should be giving the most is not the richest guy. It is the poorest guy. I need to say that again. The way people are looking, you don't get it yet. The person that should be giving the most is not the richest man. He's the poorest man. Praise God. It may take you a few years to get it, but I pray one day you will get it. Noah came out of that ark, gave an offering, or built an altar, sacrifice. And the Bible said God smelt the smoke in heaven. And God responded, I will never do this again. And he has never done it again till today. Can I hear a loud amen? And Apostle Paul, talking about the partnership of the Philippians, the Macedonians particularly with him, he used the same phrase. This is where we stopped last week, Philippians 4. Indeed, verse 18, I have all and abound, glory be to God, I pray that in every area of your life, by the grace of God, you will have all and abound in the name of Jesus. What a testimony. Earlier I said, I know how to be abound and I know how to be abased. But he said, look, I have all and abound. I am full. Having received from Epaphroditus the things you sent to me, and he used this phrase that Noah, um, the Bible used for Noah, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice. Praise God. Well-pleasing to God. That's what we want to study. We see this pattern in scriptures that people raised altars, gave offerings, and the sacrifice was acceptable by God in heaven. They were on the earth. And what they did moved God in heaven. And God responded, sometimes literally by fire. And everything changed. May that be your encounter and your experience from today going forward. In Jesus' name. God showed up. And when God shows up, everything changes. Lift your hands and say, Father, show up for me. Take 30 seconds and pray that prayer. Particularly in that area where you need a turn around. Pray it from the depth of your heart. Like you showed up for Noah. Like you showed up for Paul. Like you showed up for people in the scriptures. Show up for me. Show up. Lift your hands. Pray that prayer. I sense God doing something unusual for somebody today. Show up for me. In the area I need you to show up. In my job, my family, show up for me. That's my simple prayer. Show up for me, Father. Show up for me. Show up for me. Manifest for me. Like fire. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody interested in what we are talking about tonight? Can I go on? Genesis. Let me show you something amazing about the patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob particularly. This is something that I, I, I rarely hear people talk about. Watch something that happened here. Genesis, this Genesis 12 was when God showed up to Abraham. Verse 7, Genesis 12. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Genesis 12, 7. Abraham built an altar to the Lord. Genesis 12, 8. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Built an altar in verse 7. Built an altar in verse 8. Praise God. Genesis 13 was when they told us about the first breakthrough Abraham had. 
And again, it's instructive. The first major breakthrough Abraham had, please hear me. It wasn't a healing miracle. Nothing had been wrong if it was a healing miracle. It wasn't a marriage miracle. Nothing would be wrong. It was a financial miracle. And I talked to you a lot about that pattern a lot in the Bible. So many times. That's interesting. Praise God. So he journeyed from the south as far as Bethel. This after they told us he was rich in cattle, silver, and gold. To the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and I. To the place of the altar which he had made at the first. Amazing. God spoke to this man. And the first recurring activity we see him doing was building an altar. Building an altar. Building an altar. Building an altar. About two, three times. Then next thing I said, hey, he, brought, he became rich. Very rich, the Bible actually said, in cattle, in silver, and gold. And after that breakthrough, the first place he returned was to the place where he built the altar. What did they mean by saying he built an altar? Of course, we know that included prayer. That included worship. Beautiful. But it was giving an offering. Giving a sacrifice to God. This, when I read these kind of things in Genesis, I'm amazed. Who told him? This is not after Moses wrote the Leviticus and that you can say he read it. Who told Abraham? Of course we know who told him. Who told him? There was no Holy Spirit per se then. Who told him? God. God. The same God that told Moses to write it in the law. And the same God that told them to write it in the New Testament. From Genesis. Ah, pastor, he was worshipping there. I'm not denying the fact he was worshipping. Hey, pastor, he was praying there. I'm not denying the fact he was praying. But you too can't deny that he gave an offering. That's why they called it altar. He will put animals there, sacrifice it to God. They didn't have churches in the days of Abraham where they can bring their tithe and offerings to church. What they used to do? The animal that they should use to eat their, as, as food, that they should use to get milk for their children and their family. This is what they used to give in those days, though. Those earlier days, they will put it up and burn it. It's the same principle behind you taking your hard-earned money, bringing it to church. And instead of money, you should have used to pay for your rent or for your house. Please, I'm not saying you should not pay your rent. I, I get what I'm saying. You better pay your rent. But money you could have used for yourself. Abraham could have eaten that animal. He could have used the animal, the milk, to feed his children, but no, he burnt it up in worship to God, in honor of God, as a sacrifice to God. Noah came out of the ark, and one of each clean animal, like I said, the only reasonable thing I can conclude is that those animals mated in the ark. Because we know before he entered the ark, it was one of each animal he took. Did he do extinction or something? But even if they had mated, they were, there must have been few animals. That's why God called it a sacrifice. He killed them. Killed them. So what God did for Abraham in Genesis 13 that brought the riches was fire falling. God responded. God responded to what? The altar in Genesis 12. God had promised him, I will make you rich. That's how your giving should be. Can I hear a loud amen? amen? You should be concerned if you are giving and fire is not falling. 
I gave one seed. I've shared that testimony over and over again. And I've given many seeds, but that one in particular, I said, money never finishes. Over 10 years have come and gone now. The level at which God is helping us to give now. Hey! If they had told us we'd be giving like that five years ago, ten years ago, I'd have been surprised. But if, if God will answer. So if this fire is not there, if these manifestations of God are not in our lives, that's why we are teaching this, so we should find out where we are missing it. Are you still with me tonight? Let me go on. Genesis 13, 8, and he built an altar there to the Lord. Genesis 22, 9, and Abraham built an altar there and placed on the wood. This is when he sacrificed Isaac, Genesis 22. You, you see this pattern, Abraham building altars, building altars. Glory be to God. Abraham's time came and he left. Genesis 26, talking about Isaac. So, verse 25, Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. The same thing his father was doing. The same thing his father was doing. The same thing his father was doing. And the Bible tells us to follow after the faith of Abraham. He was following after the faith of Abraham. Built an altar to the Lord. Genesis 35, Jacob. Praise God. This was very interesting. I, I love, in fact, of all the stories here, this is the one that strikes a chord in my heart the most. Let me show you. Genesis 35, 1. This is when Jacob wanted to return to his father's house. Verse 1, Genesis 35. If you are there, shout, I'm there, sir. I can only find five people there. If you are there, shout, I'm there, sir. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go to Bethel and dwell there. And God said to him, What? Make an altar there to God. Make an altar there to God. Who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. Verse 3. Jacob now spoke to his family. Let us arise and go back to Bethel after he heard from God. And I will make an altar there to the Lord. He didn't do as if he didn't hear what God told him. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Can you tap someone to your left and to your right? Say, learn to obey God. Learn to, learn to obey God. I don't think that person understood you. Tap him or her. Learn to obey God. Learn to obey God. Verse 1, God told him what to do. Verse 3, he told his family, this is what we are going to do. Exactly what God told him to do. I will make an altar there to the Lord who answered me. May God answer you in the name of Jesus. That's why we are talking about the fire of God. Though. Listen to me. I've said this over and over in this series. Where the fire is not there, it may be an indication that God is not there. So learn the signs of fire being there. And know what to do to get it there. What am I teaching you tonight? Offerings and sacrifices. If the fire is low, learn. That's what these patriarchs were using. Offerings and sacrifices. Altars. Altars to the Lord. Consciously, deliberately. And this one, God told him, we have it written. What his father had been doing. I'm sure God must have told Abraham, build me an altar. I'm sure God must have told Isaac, follow your father's footsteps. And we see God telling the third generation, do it. Let us arise and go to Bethel and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress. I pray over somebody again today. May God always answer you in the day of your distress. Amen. Learn the key of altars and sacrifices, offerings and sacrifices. Fireplace. If you stay at the fireplace, you won't be cold, sir. You will be hot. You will be warm. 
you will be enlightened. Fire will give you light. Which fireplace here? Prayer? No, 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 no. We are not talking prayer today, sir. Nothing wrong with prayer. Studying the word? No, no, no. We are not st- there are so many word diets that are broke. Let me rephrase that. I'm not talking fixing financial challenges, and that's for Sunday. This is for Wednesday. There are so many word people that are not on fire. The fire they need. This one is offering. Praise God. He answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. And in verse 7. See, verse 1, God told him. Verse 3, he committed to doing it. Verse 7, he did it. And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel. Because there, God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. Praise God. Ah, only three people are interested in what I'm saying. No. Yeah. Hallelujah. He, he built an altar. Now, Malachi 3.6. This is what the Bible says. I am the Lord, I do not change. I am the Lord. It's the same God that Abraham dealt with that we are dealing with. Oh, we are another covenant. I agree, but we are still dealing with the same God. The same God of Jacob is the one we are dealing with. In fact, look at the scripture we read. Isaiah 58, the heritage of your father Jacob. Galatians says that we are the seed of Abraham. He hasn't changed. Okay, you don't understand that one. Hebrews 13, 8. Surely you can't argue with this one. Jesus Christ the same when? Uh-huh. And we are dealing with the same dude here. God will forever, look at me everybody, God will forever respond to offerings and sacrifices. He is the same yesterday, today, 2018, glory be to God. God will forever do what? Respond to offerings and sacrifices. So please, this is how my own mind works. Every opportunity to sow a seed. As God enables me, I do my best to seize it. This is how my own mind works. And I'm not under pressure. No, don't, don't, don't let anybody say that. Mm, this is not to put you under pressure. No, no, no. Don't give what you don't have. Don't give what you don't have. Don't give what you should use for your rent. Be responsible. Don't go and say, I gave my offering. That's why I can't pay. Mm, that's not what I'm teaching you here. They didn't tell us Abraham's children were starving and hungry because Abraham built an altar. No. Don't go to either extreme. Don't be stingy and don't be reckless and irresponsible. Just give offerings and sacrifices as God enables you and as God leads you. Praise God. Ah, I couldn't do the last one, then aim to do the next one. We don't look. I called every month, and I'm going to call another one this month when God gives me the direction. I don't think I have the direction yet. When I get action, the office, every month this church, I say, keep giving them opportunities to give. Be a responsible pastor. Keep giving them opportunities to give. I always tell the pastors in King's Word, if you are not careful, you will make the people poor. If you don't teach them these things and give them the opportunities. Hallelujah. I want us to quickly look at three very specific incidents in scriptures where they gave an offering, built an altar, and in the line of that, fire literally fell. Fire, fire, fell. And I want us to learn some things, because it's the same God we are dealing with. 
Yes, we are under, we are under a different covenant. We are not under the covenant of Abraham. We are not under the covenant of Moses. We are under the covenant of grace. Can I hear loud amen? amen? But we are dealing with the same person. And he hasn't changed. And he hasn't changed. Of course, the first story is the popular one. When Elijah called down fire. 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 38. Elijah called down fire. This was probably the first incident that a man gave and they told us clearly that fire. All these ones about Abraham, they didn't tell us anything about fire fellow. But if you understand the spirit of what we are teaching, we see that God responded in their lives. God responded in Abraham's life. God responded in Isaac's life. God responded in Jacob's life. And that's what God did for Elijah. The fire literally falling from the sky was God responding. And in 2018, you don't need fire to be falling from the sky per se. If it falls, all well and good, we'll invite CNN. And hopefully, maybe your phone is there to have captured it live and recorded it on Instagram for us. But that's not the essence. Praise God. We are saying, you see, this fire thing we are talking about, we are not talking about literal fire. No, we are saying God showing up in your life. God showing up in your marriage. Hallelujah. God showing up in your career. And God is a fire. Consuming fire. And if a consuming fire is not there, God may not be there. It's the same thing as saying God is love. If patience is not there, kindness is not there, long-suffering is not there, God may not be there. Why? The Bible told us God is love and they told us what love is. Are you getting what I'm saying tonight? First Kings, verse 38, chapter 18. Then the fire of the Lord fell. The fire of the Lord fell and did what? Consumed. What did the fire consume? Uh -uh. Am I the only one reading in this place tonight? Ah, uh, you see, you see your life outside. <laughs> How many times have I said people should be coming to church with Bible? The projection guys are not there. No, I know you, you are, you are safe. But you've not opened the Bible, Pastor Allah. You're just reading up the Bible. <laughs> All right, well, praise God. Once I've done my own job, I know that my conscience is clear. First Kings 18, projection, please help them. Verse 38. The fire of the Lord fell and consumed his prayers. Huh? He consumed his worship. He consumed the preaching of the word. Now, I'm not pulling down prayer. Please, don't, 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 don't. I'm not pulling down the word. I'm trying to make a point here. I don't want you to be that kind of believer that in the name of prayer, you don't know how to do offerings and sacrifices. In the name of the world, and we have them plenty in this generation. Plenty. And their life is the way it is. And this may be the reason. Plenty in this generation. Prayerful people. But God is not there. What people? But God is not there. How do you know God is not there? The fire is not there. So be a prayerful person. That place Elijah prayed, though. In fact, the way the whole thing started, 1 Kings 17, 1, praise God. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be no rain or dew in these years except at my word. And he got that word from the word of God. Verse 18, chapter 18, sorry. First Kings chapter 18. And it came to pass after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. So Elijah was a man of the word. I'm not pulling down the word here. 
And he was a man of prayer. In fact, that's what they told us in um, James chapter 5. He prayed earnestly. At self prayer. Yeah, not pulling out prayer. But the word man, the prayer man, offered the sacrifice. And specifically, the fire was in response to the sacrifice. Oh, hallelujah. The sacrifice. And I want to teach you, to train you, to be a believer that is a master. You should see how Elijah made that sacrifice. He told all the prophets of Babylon, call your God. They called and called and called. He made fun of them. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he went on vacation. He played. When their time was, Elijah now got up. Put water. In a time of drought, he, 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 he excluded and he prayed to God. And God took the sacrifice. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, this one major lesson I want us to take from this Elijah's time. And please hear this. Elijah was dealing with a backsliding nation. A backsliding people. And when that fire fell, glory be to God, the people were woken up in their spirits. They had become idol worshippers. That day, they slew all the prophets of Baal. There was an awakening in that nation that day. He turned the nation upside down. Praise God. And this is how he did it. By giving a sacrifice and an offering. Added to his prayer and his word life. Do you have family members or friends? Okay, let's even leave family members and friends out. Even our community. God told us to preach the gospel to the world. We are preaching, we are preaching. Maybe people are not responding. Maybe we should consider making sacrifices or towards our evangelism. Hello, church. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe that will be what we get God's attention. Don't just go and preach. Called on God with a sacrifice. If you are learning something tonight, say, I'm hearing something, sir. Second one was in the day of David. Praise God. First Chronicles chapter 21, verse 26. First Chronicles 21. I'm just pointing out the verses because of time. You can study the background story. And I'm mentioning a thing or two about the background story. And David built an altar to the Lord. I want that phrase to ring loud in our hearts and our minds tonight. Altar to the Lord. Every time you give an offering. Please, in fact, I want you to examine your offering life. Is it an altar of worship and praise and sacrifice to the Lord or do you just give because it's offering time in church? Maybe that's why God is not responding. That phrase that he altar, it tells us along with the offering they were giving, they were worshiping. They were honoring. They were reverencing. They took God seriously. This story, when David got there, I'm going to tell you about the background story. He got to that place. Haruna said, ah, my king, you've come to make a sacrifice. He said, yes. The guy said, I will hey, take the oxen, take the animal, take everything. David said, no, no, no. I'm going to pay for it. I will not offer to my God that which costs me nothing. It's a big lesson here. He built an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings. Let that phrase also ring. Burnt offerings. They will burn up the animals. They will burn. I mean, animals that they could sell for money. Burnt offerings. That's what our tithe and offerings should be. But things we could 
valuable things. Just give it to God. Give it to God. In worship. In worship. In worship. Hallelujah. He offered bond offerings and peace offerings. And you, you see this phrase. We've seen it over and over. Called on the name of the Lord. Prayer. Called on the name of the Lord. And he answered him from heaven. May God answer you from heaven when you call. You and I should be concerned when we are calling and God is not answering. How did God answer him from heaven? He answered from heaven by fire on the altar of the burnt offering. Literally, fire fell from the sky, consumed like it did in the days of Elijah. Amazing. Now, background story. This one is even very interesting. Let me read two texts for you, this background story. If you know the story, David got up one day, he went to do census. God had told them, never count my inheritance. But watch the Bible. When I tell you about the of scripture, this one is just classic. Watch two, same Bible, look. 1 Chronicles 21. Hmm. <laughs> look at what the Bible said in 1 Chronicles 21. 1 Chronicles 21 verse 1. Now, Satan stood up against Israel. And by the way, that's one of the two or three times you will see in the Old Testament that the name Satan was mentioned. There was no revelation of Satan in the Old Testament. They, didn't, they just didn't have a concept of the devil. And he was there all the while. He was there in, from the garden. He had been there. But very, very little mention of him. But that's for another day. Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. Can you see that? Who did it? Talk to me, George. Who did it? Now read 2 Samuel 24. <laughs> this is amazing. I'm going to ask God this when I get to heaven. Now, I have an answer, but I don't know whether I'm... I myself, I don't know whether I have 100%. 2 Chronicles 24 verse 1. Again, the anger of the Lord aroused against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, go number Israel and Judah. Who moved him in 2 Samuel? <laughs> we are talking about the same story. So who moved him there? Eh? So which one is it exactly? Is it Satan? <laughs> or is it God? It's a long story. <laughs> Praise God. Let me try to offer you an answer. It's amazing. It's amazing. Sometimes God just needs to step back for the devil to move in. And I, I want us to study this particular incident because we have a, a, an advice in the New Testament. The Bible says, give no place to the devil. That's what David did here. I don't know whether he was impacted in his prayer life. Or maybe he stopped giving his offerings. I don't know. Or maybe he stopped listening to Pastor T's teachings. <laughs> I don't know what he did. But my, my interpretation is that there was a season in his life he wasn't walking with God as he ought. He said the anger of the Lord was kindled. And it opened the door for the devil. And the devil took the, the opportunity. And an idea just came in and said, count the, do census in Israel. For where? God has said don't do census. He did it. In fact, when he said it, he called Joab, his chief of army staff. Go and count. Joab said, ah, my lord, God has been blessing us. We don't have to. David was angry. Go and do it. The guy had to obey. They counted <laughs> the people. God got angry. And then the prophet Nathan came to him. I, and big lesson here. And told him, 
you've messed up. David, David, as usual, he acknowledged that he had messed up. Three options. Number one, you fall into the hands of your enemies for a season. Number two, there will be famine in the land for a season. Number three, you fall into the hand of the Lord. David said, look, I would rather fall into the hand of the Lord. His mercy. <laughs> His mercy is sure. Wise option. He picked that option. 70,000 people died in one day. That's the hand of the Lord. No? Only God knows what would have happened if it was famine. <laughs> and what happened to the enemy? That was the best of all the ugly options. Read the background story. It's a very, very good study. But what was the lesson here? Ephesians 4.28. Quickly, let me go there because of time. Let's start from verse 26. Ephesians 4.26. Be angry and sin not, and do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Verse 27. Nor give place to the devil. That's what David did there. Gave place to the devil. And lives were lost and everything. I'll come back to this give place to the devil if I have a little time. But let's go back to the story. And when, when the angels slaughtered people, 70,000, and the Bible said the angel now came, set his face on Jerusalem, and was about to destroy Jerusalem. And in fact, David saw the angel. God opened his spiritual eyes. He saw the angel with a large sword. Then God just said, enough! Then the angel just stood there, waiting for the next instruction. And that's when the word came to David, you should go and give an offering. And he gave that offering, that sacrifice, and God's anger was appeased. And God told the angel to come back. Now, there are some things I don't think these days in, the, in our own Christianity, of course, God is not going to send angels to kill us and all that. That's not my point. But the lessons we can learn do we see plagues ravaging people? Talk to me, people. What happened there was a plague. Do we see sometimes things that are hurting people, they stopped it with an offering. Fire fell. I told you when fire falls, sometimes the devil is God showing, I am pleased. I favor you. An offering. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let, let, let me take just two minutes to talk about that phrase. Give no place to the devil. And then I will close with the last story, which was the day of Solomon. Is somebody getting something? That phrase is very interesting. In fact, the, the two things they said there, they, this, because like I said, this is what David did there. He just opened the door for the devil. And Satan took advantage of it. Lift your hands and pray with me. In the name of Jesus, I receive strength. I receive wisdom. I receive understanding to give no place to the devil. In my life, in Jesus' name. That, that's what they told us, Ephesians 4.27. Give no place to the devil. And the, the, the previous verse gives us a very, very good idea. Be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Praise God. Let me read the New Living Translation to you. Don't sin, Ephesians 4.26, by letting anger control you. Hmm. Praise God. I think it's probably guys that sometimes fall into this trap the most. Guys in authority like David. Look for a guy that looks like David around you, that looks as if he's in command. Just look for somebody that looks as if he's in command. If you have a guy, say, don't get angry and open the door for the devil. Don't open the door for the devil. Tell somebody, cool temper, cool temper, cool temper, cool temper. 
I know Buari is not helping you much, but cool down, cool down, cool down, cool down. Or whoever it is that is making you angry. The way some people vent anger. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Amazing. Amazing. Now, let me tell you something very interesting. That interpretation we read in the NLT, which is suggestive when you read the KJV, it's just a surface, low-level interpretation of really what Paul was revealing to us there. Please stay with me, stay with me. I, I looked this up in the Amplified and I was amazed what I saw. And it's very important. Are you still here? That, that's getting angry and then before the sun comes down, you have calmed down and it, it's okay. So you go to bed, you're angry, very boiling hot anger at 12 noon. And by 6 p.m., you are no longer angry. Six hours have gone. It's, 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 it's a good advice, but I don't believe that's what David was saying. I don't believe that's what the scripture was saying. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong in that sense with interpretation. But let me read the Amplified to you. You will see what the Amplified is saying here. Ephesians 4.26. Watch, watch, watch. Big lesson here. And we are talking about giving no place to the devil. Be angry at sin. It's not about you being angry. You should never be angry. Not even for six hours. It's not that I can be angry from 10 a.m. As long as when I now see the sun coming down, I now cool down. But for the eight hours, I've shown them my true pepper. After all, the Bible says, don't let the sun go. That's not really what the Bible is saying. That doesn't even really make Bible sense. It's just surface. That's what you teach them in kindergarten. That's, it says, be angry at sin. Please watch this. Be angry at sin. Be angry at immorality. I, I have to go there. Go, just be, be angry at Big Bonda, Nigeria. So if I just sit down and... If you don't like it, delete it in the sermon. Take the other thing I'm saying. But I just have to throw that one in there. Be angry at sin. Be angry at immorality. Be angry at injustice. Be angry at ungodly behavior. Yet, don't let sin... Um, yet, do not sin. Do not let anger cause you to shame. So that part of not, um, not anger take control. But really, what he's saying is this. When he said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath... He is referring to wrath like the wrath of God. Don't get to a point where it's okay for you to just sit down and watch Big Brother Nigeria with all the morality they are doing there. I'm telling you, at that time, God has left you life. No fire of God. No fire. You can't, you can't accommodate sin like that and you're on fire. No. You have to make your choice. You may not like it all, but my job is not to tell you what you like. It's to speak you the truth. God's eyes are too holy to behold iniquity. Be angry at pornography. Be angry at, be angry at injustice. People being oppressed, people being... And we don't do anything about it. You see, when you are like that, when you are not responding in wrath, when he said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, what it means is that don't get to a point where you are so cool, calm and collected, sin is going on, it doesn't bother you. Injustice is going on, it doesn't bother you. Immorality is going on, it doesn't bother you. At that point, sir, your fire needs to be rekindled. But I'm telling you, God is not there as he ought. That's really what it means. Or that's a deeper meaning of what he's saying. Never get to this point where it's okay 
to be immoral as a believer. You're opening the door to the devil. You are like the guy that is angry and venting and fuming. That's really what he's telling us there. That phrase, be angry and do not sin, it was a quote from Psalm 4 verse 4, Psalm 37 verse 8. He was talking about holy anger, the wrath of God. Paul was quoting David, the wrath of God. As Christians, some things we should not tolerate, which we have tolerated. Be angry at certain things. Be angry at sin. Be angry at immorality. Be angry at social injustice. A lot of that is going on. The church is moving to that lot in this country. There's a lot of get involved in politics, get involved in getting things like we should be angry at these things. If the fire of God was blazing as it was. And when we are not, we may just be like David. You have gone to a place where you have calmed down, and Satan can be suggesting rubbish things in your head. And 70,000 people will die because of your rascality. May that not be your story or my story in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me close. It's already closing time. Praise God. Of course, the last one was Solomon. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1, when he dedicated the temple. When Solomon finished praying, David got up one day and said, Ah, I'm living in a house, and the ark of God is in a tent. I want to build the Lord a house. Um, the prophet told him, go ahead, do what's in your heart. While the prophet was sleeping that night, God woke him up and said, no, 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 go and tell David. He's not going to build a house. That his son will build a house instead. And then God blessed him and God, God just pronounced all kinds of blessings on him. So David, before he died, David stacked a lot of money. A lot of money. Some Bible scholars and New York Times says it was value hundreds of billions of dollars in today's world. God said, I can't build it. But God didn't say, I can't put the money aside. After David died, Solomon started building. Took him 20 years. Somebody say 20 years. Glory be to God. Tap your neighbor and tell him, you know, just by the way, King's Word is 20 years as well. <laughs> Amen. Took him 20 years to build both his own palace and the house of God. And that's what they were doing there. At the dedication, after spending probably hundreds of billions of dollars, a lot of money. That's the one David left plus Solomon's own. It was an edifice of edifices. Built a house unto God. He now prayed. When Solomon had finished praying, fire fell. Or fire came down from heaven. This is not Nollywood, though. Real fire. From heaven. And consumed. What did the fire come to consume? Notice it didn't burn the temple. He burnt what? The burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Verse 2. The priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down, the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord saying, For the Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. Amazing story. Amazing story. 
What's the lesson we can learn from here? What's the lesson we can learn from Elijah? Our offerings and our sacrifices, along with our prayer life, along with our worship, along with our word life, can bring revival. So if you've gone out, you've preached, you've preached, and maybe you should consider an offering led of God. What's the story we can learn from David? Our offerings, our sacrifices, along with our prayer and our worship and all that, it can turn around plagues, turn around oppressed situations. People were dying. Epidemic had broken out. But an offering stopped it. And our offerings and our sacrifices can build temples, edifices for God. And all those things, God responded with fire. In other words, I'm pleased with this. I approve it. Now, when we read New Testament, rise up on your feet. Let me quickly close. Two temples. Yeah, there is the temple of our bodies. Hallelujah. Tap your neighbor and say, you are the temple of the Lord. So, part of it is so winning. Reaching out to people. Building yourself or building myself or building up houses. Living tabernacle. Then, of course, the physical building. Where people of God can come together to worship. God is pleased with those things. Hallelujah. And look at that. They were dedicating that excellent building, expensive building, well, they poured a lot of wealth and a lot of time and a lot of effort. And God showed up by fire. May God answer when you call. May God show up in the areas of your life. Please hear this and hear this. Lift your right hand. As we close tonight, one way to get him to show up is through your offerings and your sacrifices. I want to challenge everyone here. Where you have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and it looks as if God is not moving. And you have confessed and confessed and confessed and confessed and it looks as if God is not moving. And you've done all the other things we teach you to do in church, which are right, which are true. You should consider from time to time Consciously, deliberately, bringing a sacrifice to worship God so that his fire can fall. Are you with me this morning, this evening? Leave those hands, give God praise. Thank him, thank him, thank him. The preceding message was brought to you by King's Word Everywhere, Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234-810-00-00640.